Thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits for yet another time. My name is Jeff Lyle, and I am blessed to be your host and um, oftentimes your teacher on this podcast. And I'm grateful for all of you that have tuned in, and some of you for the very first time. We've been doing this for a few years now, and um, this is actually episode 182, if you care. I didn't care, but I happened to see on the list when I was uploading some of the previous material, and I recognized, man, we've done 181 of these, and so the next one will be 182. You know what the significance of the number 182 is? Neither do I, and so let's just move on. Hey, I want to talk to you about something that I think is some, it's something that we need to talk about because if we don't, we don't think about it, but it's actually an important part of our journey with the Lord. And so I'll frame up what I want to talk about today with an initial question, which is this, to whom do you listen the most? Who's the primary voice in your life? Think about it for a second. Who is the primary voice, the voice that talks to you more than any other voice in your life? And I'm going to answer that question for you. Don't you, doesn't, and it's kind of annoying, like ask a question and then give the person the answer. Well, There's really only one answer to this question for every single one of us. The person that talks to you the most is you. You listen to you more than you listen to any other voice um, that could come from the outside. You are the way that the conscious, the mind, the heart, the spirit, the soul, um, all these components of your being, they are communicating to you um, nonstop. And the... The effect of that is hinged to what are you communicating? What's the tone? What's the tenor? What's the message that you are talking to you about? The power of life and death are in the tongue, so we know that literal, verbal speech in the spiritual realm, it does set things in motion. And not everything you say to yourself comes out of your mouth. You have an internal conversation that is happening all the time. And what is interesting is that internal conversation that you are having with yourself is heavily influenced by the external communication that you allow into your being. And so we live in an incredibly noisy world. There's a ton of messaging. You're being bombarded with it wherever you go. Some of it is verbal, uh, some of it is visual, some of it is overt, some of it is more um, subversive, and you are being peppered, pummeled, Um, you're being seasoned, I'll use a gentler term, you're being seasoned with flavors that are coming at you from all different directions. You can't escape it, and the only way you can escape it externally is to hermit yourself. And even then, you've had enough communication in your lifetime that you're already affected by what you have allowed to um, flavor your your internal being. And, uh, you know, if you want 19 Bible verses on this, go find them yourself. I mean, it's all in the scripture. But the, the reality is, is that we live in a world of messaging. And so the culture is like the the loudest source externally that tries to influence you. And here's something you need to know about the culture. It is under the dominance and rule of the wicked one. 
Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He is described in scripture as the God of this world who blinds minds. And it is only when you come to Christ that those initial blinders are taken off. But I will submit this to you, that a lot of believers who have been um, given spiritual eyesight to the gospel, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that that initial blinding, that foundational blinding of spiritual blindness to the gospel has been removed and that person becomes a Christian by the new birth when they trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. But there are a lot of Christians who have experienced the new birth that are still walking around. And although they're not blind to the saving message of the gospel, they're blind to the kingdom. They don't see the kingdom. Jesus spoke of people that have eyes and see not, that have ears and hear not. And like, because you don't see and you don't hear spiritually, you don't believe all that there is in the kingdom. And so uh, today I'm just asking you this question, like, what are you doing to limit the noise? What are you proactively doing to limit the amount of unhealthy noise and communication that is coming against you? And God help you that you're not letting it get in you. And you can do some things to diagnose like what has set the tone of your own voice speaking to you. So let me just ask a couple of questions. Are you typically a hopeful person? Is, is your hope in the gospel, your hope in the promises of God, your hope in the word of God, your hope in the covenant, your hope in the Holy Spirit, is, is that so real to you that you are a person of hope? Now, hopeful people don't pretend like there aren't obstacles and opposition. Those are naive, deluded people. But hopeful people can acknowledge trouble, tribulation, opposition, warfare, and not panic because they know that the primary voice in their life, the Holy Spirit has conditioned their own internal voice to be one of hope. Or are you a defeatist? Are you a perpetual skeptic? My nature, my base nature, foundationally, my human instinct is to be a pessimist. I have a skeptical, natural disposition. And so I have to limit the amount of influences that would try to reinforce that hopeless skepticism that would be a part of my natural being. I'm not a hopeless person by any means, but apart from me pursuing truth and limiting hopelessness coming into my my ears, my eyes, my conscience, my spirit, I, I literally have to fight back against that so that the natural disposition I have doesn't become the predominant disposition that I have. And so the, the negative person, the critical person, the skeptical person, the wounded person, the bitter person, the fearful person, those are all um, elements. They're what I would call evidence that you're listening to the wrong external influences too much. And they've now characterized your internal atmosphere. And so we are to be hopeful, confident people. We are to be people that expect God and his victory through Jesus Christ, through the blood of the lamb, through the covenants, through the promises, through the word of the Lord, through God's great immeasurable love and commitment to us. We are to be people that operate in that. And the primary tone of our internal voice is to be one of victory and overcoming. But the enemy traffics in noise. Um, the 
the reality for me for many, many years was that I lived in a world of God's noise and the enemy's noise. And I would have to say that for many of those years, I did not know how to cooperate with the noise of the Lord. And when I mean that, you're going to find all out, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, by the way, and I use the English Standard Version almost exclusively for preaching and teaching. And in the New Testament, the word noise is only found one time in the ESV. It's only found one time. It's in the book of Revelation. But the word noise is found all throughout the Old Testament. And at times, what you're going to see is just do a study on the word noise and especially look in your Old Testament. And what you're going to see is that God's people make noise, victorious, shouting, singing, praising, war cry, battlefield noise. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's loud. It's intense. But you're also going to find out that the enemy makes a ton of noise. When you read through the scriptures, you're going to find just about equal um, uh, emphasis given to the noise of God's victory and the noise of the enemy's attacks. And so we're living in a very noisy world and the noise that you are most in tune with is the noise that is affecting your spirit. Psalm 55.3. I always like to have a Bible verse or 20. And that I share on a podcast. And so in Psalm 55, the psalmist is, is offering up a prayer. And it's David is the psalmist. This is what we call a masculine psalm. It's an instructional psalm. And so David is writing this instructional song. And he opens up and says, God, I need you to listen to my prayer because I'm pleading to you for mercy and he says in there, I need you to pay attention to me in Psalm 55. I need answers from you. And then he confesses something. He says, I'm restless. I have a complaint and a moan within me. So just pause there for a second. So God, the spirit is inspiring King David to write a song. And the song opens up saying, God, I need your mercy. I need you to pay attention to me right now. I need some answers from you because I am really restless within. And I have this internal complaint and moaning within me. I love the honesty of the scriptures. David's the man after God's own heart, but David wasn't so religiously superior that he couldn't admit, God, I am struggling and I am restless in my own spirit. But what's interesting to me is he tells us why. Why was David moaning in his spirit? Why did David need mercy? Why was David internally wrestling and restless, needing God to give him a minute to pay attention to David? Well, he tells us in the very next verse in Psalm 55, 3. He says, I am restless because of the noise of the enemy. The noise of the enemy. David had gone through a long enough season where he had diagnosed that there's a problem that was causing him internal dissonance, discomfort, restlessness. He was struggling and needed God to help him. And David says, Lord, I've diagnosed the problem. There is an oppressive noise coming from the enemy that is dropping trouble on me. 
just read the first four or five verses of Psalm uh, 55. He would later say, I'm, I'm, I got anguish in my heart. This was no small thing with David. Fear of dying and destruction had come upon him. He said, I'm trembling. At times I feel overwhelmed with dread and horror. I want to." That's where David said, I wish I had wings like a dove and I could fly away and just be at rest. And so David is saying, Lord, all of the incessant chatter of my enemies has so flavored me that I am wanting an escape out of here. Now, if King David, who's probably my favorite Old Testament man, if King David could hit a point, remember, this is the worshiper, this is the warrior, this is the guy who, yes, he struggled at times with his flesh and he was learning as he, as he went, but he was, God declared, this guy's got a heart after me. And so part of uh, the journey of a person who has a heart after God can include this overwhelming um, just sense of, man, this noise is driving me crazy. And my guess is, is that if you're paying attention and you're really pressing in to know the Lord and not everybody probably listening to this podcast is intensely pressing in to know the Lord. My guess is if you listen regularly, you're probably born again. You love God. You're trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus. And I applaud you in that. And I encourage you because those are great places to, to begin your journey. But if you've been on this journey long enough, you, you've become aware in, in an acute way of the warfare that comes against you because you're, you're, you're centralized in Jesus. Jesus is your everything. And you feel the battle. You feel the conflict. You feel the struggle. You feel the pressure. You feel the noise. You hear it. You know, you, you, you want to be able to watch a sporting event on TV just for a moment of leisure, and yet you can't even survive the commercials because the commercials are just heaping garbage on you through the eye gate, messaging you about things you need to buy, sensual images in front of you intoxicating offers placed before you. And you're like, man, I'm just really trying to watch nine innings or four quarters of a game. And the noise is souring my spirit. And so how many of us have had to just say at times, 99% of the stuff that's on the television or on a screen, I can't even look at anymore. Why? Noise. You know, then you turn on the news and, and many of my listeners on Mavericks and Misfits, you're, you're heavily engaged in politics and I'm not telling you not to be, I think politics are important. I think that, uh, elections have consequences. I think that we ultimately as a nation are going to receive in November, the president that we as a nation deserve. And, um, I think that a lot of Christians are just politically, you know, zombies they either think none of it matters or basically they're trying to weigh the outcome of the kingdom of God, determining on whether a Republican or a Democrat wins the, you know, the Oval Office. And, and, and so you've got all you're, you're in an election year and you're going to get bombarded, constant bombardment, hostility, anger, rage, hatred, pol- politics in America is the devil's current favorite sport. And they're just heaping noise at us, grenades of noise, missiles of noise, constant rhetoric, 
churches this year will have little mini um, combat zones because of Christians that cannot prioritize kingdom unity over political division. It's coming at you. And you know what's interesting about this? Is that in the end, guess how many votes you get? Guess how many votes for president you get when all is said and done? One. You get a vote. Most of you already know who you're going to vote for. You already know. And yet you're going to spend, potentially, if you don't know how to um, mitigate the noise in the culture, you're going to give your heart, your mind, and your soul the well-being, the internal atmosphere of the immaterial you. You're going to give it to political rhetoric that has proven forever that it's not edifying for your soul. Why don't you just vote and let the godless ones give the best of themselves to political altars? You want to know how I vote? Ask me. I'm happy to tell you. You want to see me get mad because you vote differently? I won't. I won't get angry with you. Um, I would like to influence you to vote for one or two things that are going to be high on the list of what the next however many years of the United States of America looks like. There's not a single candidate that represents all of my kingdom values. I already know that. So when I vote, I will vote for somebody that does not perfectly represent my kingdom values, but I will vote. And I, I just will not be a person who welcomes the noise of hostility, bitterness, rage, superiority, pride, anger, all the isms. I'm not letting that in my spirit. I'm just not going to do it. Why? Well, because David was saying, Lord, I'm restless internally because of the noise of the enemy. So if I don't want to invite restlessness into my spirit, guess what I need to do? I need to know where the noise is coming from and I need to silence it. You know, I've opted out of a lot of things. I used to think everything was worth fighting for. I used to think everything needed my opinion. I used to think that my job as a leader in the kingdom demanded that I make sure everybody knows what I think and how they should think because I think rightly. You know, there's a lot of young pride and all that stuff. And when it comes to politics or some of the issues that are not clearly defined in scripture, you know, I just felt like, well, let me just go ahead and fill in the spaces that God intentionally left blank. And so my opinion was really important back in the day. You may think, well, Jeff, you've gone soft. You're a liberal now. You're just some kind of liberal wishy-washy guy. No, I'm actually not. I just know that I can't give equal intensity to everything that is debatable. I don't have enough intensity. And if you give your intensity to everything, your intensity is diluted across a large span of things. And you actually don't have any full credibility in a singular thing because you've spread your intensity across too broad of a plane. You want to hear me get intense? I will tell you I am intense about the unborn and protecting them in the womb. I will fight tooth and nail verbally intensely about that because every historical nation that has committed infanticide, God has destroyed. 
Do you know one of the primary reasons why God sent the apple of his own eye, Israel, into captivity? Because they embraced pagan gods that demanded child sacrifice. So God did not even spare his covenant people, Israel, from destruction in the sense of sending them away into captivity, letting their culture be destroyed. And he did not even spare them with whom he was in covenant. And you think America is going to get a free pass? Come on now. I think the nuclear family, you'll see me fight for that. Gender, you'll see me fight for that. This um, rapid advancement of the need to normalize pedophilia. Let me just be blunt. Sexual activity with children, even infants and babies, is demonically seeking to be normalized in American culture. I will fight for that. I'll fight for it. From a political standpoint and a nationalist standpoint, I'm very, very, very concerned about our southern borders because what it speaks to me is that we have elected people who swore on a constitution to defend the United States of America from foreign adversaries, and those people who swore to do something that we elected are negligent in that. So I will speak up against that. But there's not 90 things that I'm equally passionate about. And so there are some things that I'm just going to say, hey, look, you know, seek the Lord, cultivate your own, you know, level of passion about it. But that particular subject for me is unnecessary noise. Then you've got the spiritual warfare noise of the enemy who comes in and accuses people to you. When you come into agreement with accusation, that's noise in your soul. Like when, when the enemy accuses you of, uh, excuse me, accuses somebody to you, like in your family. Like the enemy loves to accuse your spouse to you or your children to you or your parents to you. That's what he does. He wants you to have a large, noisy disfavor with the people that you're supposed to be in family covenant with. And so he's going to always chatterbox you in accusation. And that's how he destroys marriages because a lot of people did not eliminate the noise. I will not let the enemy speak a single unresisted word of accusation against my wife or my children to me. When I know that something that might be a mild irritant in the natural is being expanded in my spirit, that is saying, Amy is this, or Alicia or Landon are this. I know, and I've known for years, oh, that's actually the noise of the enemy. Because listen, the fact of the matter is when you live with family and you know, my kids are adults now, but over the years, when you live with family, there's going to be things that irritate you. You're not going to like everything about your spouse or your children. They don't like everything about you. But when that thing gets amplified to level 10 and you start reducing the entirety of those people in your family to the thing that irritates, that is the enemy. That's his noise. You have listened to the noise and you are now taking on that narrative and you are in agreement with it and you're talking to yourself with the accent of hell about people in your family. Happens in our churches too. Churches, especially from leaders to the parishioners, so to speak, and from the parishioners to the leaders. Like you see something, you see a fatal flaw in, in somebody that's leading you in the kingdom. You don't, they got a personality issue. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about, you know, disqualification for ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, you know, that my spiritual leader doesn't talk enough about discipleship or my spiritual leader doesn't want to, you know, sit down for coffee with me three times a month. 
my spiritual leader doesn't seem to be pastoral enough or apostolic enough or evangelistic enough, or it's all about prophetic and it's never about teaching, or it's all about teaching and it's never about prophetic. And you start reducing that person that God has placed in his wisdom as spiritual authority and influence in your life. You start reducing them to what they're not. And the reason why is because you didn't discern that the enemy was whispering to you about them. You came into agreement with the enemy's whisper about your spiritual leader, and that whisper turned into a full-blown conversation, and now that full-blown conversation is just noise in your soul against your spiritual leader. By the way, it works in reverse too. Spiritual leaders that are insecure, spiritual leaders that thinks every, thinks they, they think everybody is out to get them or hates them or doesn't support them or um, is not you know, you know, part of the big plan or they don't value people that they're leading who don't have the same gifts as they do as a leader. And, and, and that noise starts getting in there. And then you've just got the generalized noise when, where the enemy has just spoken and said, it's all hopeless. It's doom and gloom. You're going to lose. It's, it's worthless. It's hopeless. It's pointless. The world's going to implode. The, the devil's winning. Uh, sin is abounding. Spiritual leaders are falling. Uh, the church is corrupt. So why don't you just take your Bible? Oh, the buildings. Church buildings are corrupt. Anything that happens in a church building is fake. It's not like the original church because they didn't have church buildings. That is just such a, guys, I just want to be blunt here. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. To say that if it happens in a church building, it is by definition less authentic than it would be if it happened in a house. I think we need both. We need home church and we need temple where we gather together. The location neither sanctifies nor contaminates the work of God. It is the intent of the heart. It wasn't too terribly long ago where I I had a very plain spoken conversation with somebody it's like, yeah, we just really feel like, you know, the church building is, um, you know, it's just not the way of the Lord. So we're going to do home church. We're going to reach people in our home church. And so I just asked the question, said, how many people? And I was like, well, we're probably going to start out with, you know, probably five, maybe four couples. And, um, yeah, we'll just start there. And it's like, well, so is, do you think it'll grow? Yeah. Cause we're going to be committed to the great commission. So what, what do you do in your home, which is the building when that home and that building no longer is sufficient to house for fellowship and training and instruction and prayer, the people that you're reaching. And there was radio silence because the answer is, is that you will probably have to have a bigger building. So it's not a matter of whether a church meets in a building. It's apparently the size of the building or the location of the building. And people think that small and organic, by definition, is holy and anointed. Wrong. It can be small and organic and be completely devoid of the presence of God. It can be large and full of people and still hold the anointing in favor of God. It depends on what is happening in the substance of it. And so when we're thinking through these things, that, that, that's a narrative, that's noise. That's noise that separates people from church bodies because they think that they have this, you know, fast track <laughs> into, you know, like, oh, we're going to bring back the first century church. Have you read your Bible? <laughs> there was a lot of noise in the first century church, a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion, a lot of carnality. So guys, what I'm saying is this, is like in order to discern the noise that is influencing your internal conversation, you have to get still and you have to get quiet and you have to start limiting 
what is influencing you. And if, if the voices that are influencing you are primarily discouraging, divisive, and they're causing you want to separate from the body of Christ, that's the noise of the enemy. There's a restlessness in your spirit because of the noise of the enemy. Psalm 55, 3. So I don't listen to a lot of voices anymore. I uh, limit the amount of unredeemed voices I let speak into my life. I don't listen to the news. I just don't. I get a little um, email every single morning that is a digest of the news and it gives me, without a political slant, the major national and international headlines. And it just reports the facts. I say, okay, I'm glad to know the facts. And I like to pray into those things. But I don't need the Republicans or the Democrats. I don't need the LGBTQ or the politicians. I don't even need the latest cool pastor or podcaster telling me what I need to think. I like the Holy Spirit to tell me what I think, what I should think, what I must think what I cannot think on. And I like to welcome the Lord to address any restlessness in my spirit as soon as I'm aware that it's there. So if you're restless, I'm going to finish up here. If you're restless in your spirit like David was, if you're moaning on the inside like David was, if you are needing God to see you and attend to you, as David wrote in Psalm 55.1, and to give you answers, then you need to diagnose. Maybe the problem is you are welcoming the enemy's noise into your soul. And because you've come agree- come into agreement in your soul with it, you are now speaking those things to your own spirit. And so like you talk to you more than anybody else. And the you that talks to you is typically the you that is informed and influenced by external voices. And so you should be keenly aware of who is influencing you from the outside. How much of the culture are you allowing to speak into your life? How much of your own, listen, just be a big boy or a big girl here. Maybe I confess to you, like one of my natural struggles is pessimism. Like I'm, I'm not naturally hopeful. I am supernaturally hopeful. I'm spiritually hopeful. And that didn't happen by accident. I don't need anything to fertilize the unprofitable parts in my soul. I need to spray Roundup on those things, not fertilizer. I need I need a Holy Spirit to bring down the weeds in me. I don't need the world to feed those weeds. But I had to have enlightenment about where are the things in my soul that are danger zones and how do I cut off the voices that feed those things. So you got a lot to think about. And I hope you will. I hope you'll take proactive steps. You're not a prisoner of all the commotion. You're not, you know, a bond servant to all the noise of the enemy. The enemy's trying to just get you to where you can never get quiet and still before the Lord and just say, God, what is true? What is the best? What is the excellency that I am to give my mind and my heart to? And Lord, will you change my internal voice to where it sounds less like the world and the devil and more like you? All right, guys, wrestle with that. Press into it. Feel free to hit me up. Email me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. 
talk to me about what you would like to hear on the podcast and maybe share a little bit with um, me about what you're learning so far or how you've been impacted. And if you really want to take about three minutes of your time and help us, would you rate and review Mavericks and Misfits, wherever you listen to the podcast, a lot of you are Spotify, um, iTunes podcast, wherever you might listen to it, please take just a couple of minutes and give us a good review on that. Let people know that, hey, look, this is how this podcast is helping me in my journey with Jesus. Tell others about it. And then um, if nothing else, just show up every Tuesday, wherever you listen, and we will do our very best to drop a new episode every single week. If you would like some resources that are a little bit more thorough and in-depth, go to transformingtruth.org. If you visit transformingtruth.org or download the free Transforming Truth app, that houses everything I put out in one location. And so you'll get links to the podcast. You'll get full-length sermons, video, and audio. I write a blog once a month um, on the Transforming Truth website. And uh, my goal is just to, anything I get from the Lord, I want to share it with you. And I trust that if it's benefited me, it'll benefit you. And I hope that's the case. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace, and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.